Well, that's cool. How does a bastard? You're right, Edgar. <laughs> Do you know the the, the tongue out smiley face emoji? Like semicolon or colon p that one. Colon p exactly. Um, right. What does that mean? To I, I use it to indicate that I'm telling a joke. Okay, so if you had a sentence like "I am sorry," colon p, how would you interpret that? That they made some kind of small mistake and they're kind of sorry about it, but it wasn't like it was a really big serious thing. It was just like "haha, whoops," I guess would be my what how I would interpret it. Okay, because there seems to be two factions of people. Like I'm on the side that it always indicates joke, mm-hmm. and then there's um. Another fact of people who are like, it indicates like lightheartedness. Like it like negates any seriousness that should be in that that might be in the statement. And that has recently led to some confusion where I was sent that line, I am sorry, uh, Colin P. And I was all like, Oh, you're joking. And it's like, no, I, I actually am, but it's not that serious. And it's like, but then why did you put that? And it was a big thing, and I'm just trying to ask everyone around me, uh, what the hell the emoji means. It is one of the most ambiguous emojis and it's used like very differently by many people and it's weird. Um, I would fall into the lighthearted camp in, in, in that dichotomy, I think. But as the interesting thing about emoji and emoticons is emoji are like the specific Unicode standard. And like emoticons are, are them in general. So like colon P is an emoticon, but it's not an emoji. Uh, right. now, now, but why is that interesting? <laughs> um, well, just the, the, the use of language here. Um, that they're kind of used interchangeably. But emoji is like... It, I mean, obviously you can use it however you, you damn well please. But it, it does have kind of a, a, a specific meaning of this... Um, like this, like the, the set of Unicode blocks that, that are used um, for characters. For, for like emoji characters. Wait, wait, hang on. Uh, wait, so do you know people who will call an emoticon an emoji? Yes. Oh, well, no, you, that's that's very weird. Well, you, you kind of did in your reference there to using the colon P yeah, yeah. emoji. Yeah, yeah, okay. But that's, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. But that was, it's easier to say colon P than it is to say smiley face with the tongue out. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I understand the, the context in which it was used. Yeah, but people people do use that, yeah. Um... Uh, and the other thing about it is that emoji are different on different devices. So yeah. Yeah. You, they'll, they'll, they'll be totally different um, if you've got a, an Android phone or an Apple phone. What, what do you think about emojis in general? Are you pro-emoji? I'm a fan. Are, you like, are you a fan? I'm pro-emoji. You're pro-emoji. Uh, uh, what, what are the like... Okay, say I'm an alien that landed down on planet Earth. Don't know anything about emoji. Sell it to me. Uh, give me the big hitting arguments as to why emoji is good. I don't know. I just like how they look. They're fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's, no. that's fair. I, I think there's a real linguistic need for them. Like, obviously, you could use both emoticons and emojis to do the thing, uh, to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's so much information that could be expressed in an emoji that will take yeah. many, many words to do. I think they're really, really good. I think some of the implica- um, the impl- implementations of them are not great. Um, 
like they just design wise they look horrible uh, a lot yeah and that, and that, that really of course depends me. on what platform you're using etc yeah yeah exactly like like microsoft ones is, are not good <laughs> but i actually i i do like them but i i have a slight preference for using the plain text ones as punctuation or I, like within within conversation within text conversations i would be more inclined to to write colon p than i would to put in the emoji or the like crying with laughter emoji or whatever all right so then why um i'm not really sure why that is i'm not sure why i have that preference yeah but hold on in in texting does the colon p not autocorrect to the emoji it depends oh not on whatsapp for example Okay. Or not in like Snapchat text, um, on Facebook Messenger and things it does, but not not on every platform. What's your views on the use of emoji, like a string, a long string of emoji, after a statement that does nothing to enhance the meaning of the statement, but just reiterates what's in the statement? So, like, if I was like going for beers. Uh, after the podcast with Bill, uh, and mm-hmm. then the emojis are like, like I don't know a leaving a house emoji, two beers, uh, a man, uh, a microphone, that sort of thing. I would find that annoying. Yeah. Okay. All right. Do you, do you uh, not see this practice amongst people? I've so many people do this in my life. I'm like, yeah, oh, no, no, yeah, oh. yeah, I know, I do, I do, and I find that annoying a little. Okay. Um, but like going going for a, a a beer after the podcast, and then like the the you know two beers emoji, that's that's like I don't I don't like excessive emoji use as a personal aesthetic preference. Yeah, yeah, one or two. Now I've been guilty of excessive emojis in the past, but I, I I'm limiting it now. Like I'm I'm pulling back my behavior. <laughs> Anyhow, emojis. Um. Okay. We'll. Let's... I hope this is all going in, man. I, I don't know, Hello Internet covered this in depth. It's a reiteration of what other people have said, but maybe. Um, the Anyhow, what's called? Shall we start the show proper? <laughs> Let's. Okay, so uh, first thing I need to do, I need to uh, correct an error I made in the last show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, I said something like YouTube, uh, the YouTube creator split uh, in regards to ad revenue was 55 45 in favor of YouTube, uh, and it's not, right. it's, re- it's reverse. Um, it's only a very minor point, but I just want to get it out there. We do get like over 50% of the ad revenue. YouTube okay. isn't screwing us completely. Uh, so just for the sake of rightness, I needed to put that in. Yeah. I saw something the other day, oh, it was yesterday, in fact. Let's see if I can find it here now. Um, a video from Casey Neistat. Is that the right name? Uh, yeah, yeah, Casey Neistat. Who I understand yeah. it was, is a very popular YouTuber. He is. I admire um, his work in general. There are some times where I'm like, oh, now, did you, did that video really need to be made? That wasn't a good call, Casey. But in general, he makes good stuff. Um, He put up a video in two day, like, over two days. It got uh, a th- over a million views and nearly six million minutes of watch time. And earned less than a cent from it, apparently. What? It's it's a it's a, a thing he tweeted. It's it's a picture he tweeted. Wait, how? What? But that oh, means... maybe it was. Well, it says here usually earnings are a day or so behind, so this is nothing of concern. Never mind, scratch that. Yeah. 
<laughs> wow, Bill, that was a that was a great story there, Bill. <laughs> How about you go f- yourself? That's staying in the podcast. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, it, ha- it has to stay in the podcast now because we have no we have no segue out of my little correction there. Like you, you had a nice little like, oh, that's interesting. Here's a follow on story. Move on. But now the follow on story just stopped at this track, so we're just gonna have to use this as the segue. <laughs> Uh, fine with me. Speaking of YouTube videos, uh, Asmodian underscore uh, made a Asmodian underscore of Artifacts in Highlights fame um, made a video, uh, a channel trader uh, for our channel for the podcast channel. Uh, so just I want to oh. say thanks, thanks on air to uh, Asmodian underscore, and everyone should go check it out and go check out his stuff. Links in the show notes. They're really good. I really enjoy his videos. They're great. Oh, cheers, Asmodian. Did I not send that to you? I'm not sure. Oh, sorry. I made I made a decision uh, for the brand uh, without informing you first. I'm sorry. I thought I sent that to you. Uh, possibly. I don't think so, though. Don't worry about it. It's nothing harmless. It's basically just highlights of the highlights. Okay. So, you know, to replace the trader we had there, because every so often you should update the trader. So, um, mm. thanks to Asmodian for that. That was really cool. Um, some more thanks. Because this is what we do at the start of the show, Bill. We thank lots of people. Uh, mm-hmm. th- thanks to Patreon. Okay, you're going to have to stop me from talking about for like, for like two hours about this. But uh, TLDR for the future listener, future space listener. Uh, I launched uh, a Patreon like a, like a few weeks ago. And oh my God, did it go really, really well. Like uh, the Patreon for the, art- the actual Artifact Scene channel. And yeah, like, for the, the the Prime YouTube channel, yeah, the Artifexian Prime, exactly. It like it went so 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 well, and I ran because oh, wow. I'm because I'm a data nerd. I ran loads of numbers and compared it to like other creators I admire of similar sort of like viewing numbers and subscribers, and it's like crushing it compared to oh, wow. a, a lot of people. Yeah, so. Like, Artifexia is class, and it's awesome. And I think, uh, I really do think now this could actually be the makings of a job. Like, we're not quite at uh, minimum wage, because I was looking for minimum wage in the video. But as a starting point, it's amazing. And I think it actually could happen. So I am so grateful and so thankful to all of Artifexia. So I just need to put that on the show. Can I just have a quick look at the figures there on on the Patreon? You can, of course. Uh... Sweet. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. And like, considering things... Like, now, obviously, I just want to preface, right? Like, um, the amount one gets on Patreon is not directly proportional to how good one is. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I say like, oh, I'm doing really well relative to other people, that's not saying that they are in any way terrible. Do you know? It's just different different audiences and things like that. Yeah. Um, But like, uh, Zitnaf's videos, for example, he was getting about a third of that figure. And... Like, that just makes me feel really cool. It's kind of like, oh, I can compete in this world. This is class. So it was good. It was really good. Nice one. Uh, so that was a thank you. And then now I need an apology, right? <laughs> uh, I, I got hit a little bit of uh, bother with the world building subreddit. Uh, if you happen to be the people that I caused hassle to, uh, if you were listening, I am really, really sorry. D- did you notice this build? Did this come across your radar? Uh, I think so. Yeah. What was it? So I put the the patron the Patreon video on the world building uh, subreddit um, mm-hmm. as more uh, like genuinely uh, as a kind of sort of like 
remember I started this like a couple of years ago. Look, I'm making this my full-time job. This is class. Here's the video where I explain the things. Like, I wasn't like fishing for patronage. Like, I didn't say, come patronize me and things like that. Um, and then the mods initially blocked it. And I was like, that is entirely fine. If, th if that's your call, I'll, I'll remove it. And then they were like, no, it's okay. You, you, make, you make good stuff and you've been here for ages and you've, you've a track record. So it's cool. And then a number of people uh, were kind of like, that's not cool. That's, that's blatant favoritism. And then the mods like got in there. Uh, one, uh, I think it was one mod got in there and like stuck up for it a little bit. And then there was a little bit of like conflict resolution have to happen. So I need to apologize to the mods for uh, causing hassle on their part. And also to people who feel like I have taken advantage of the subreddit in that instance that it genuinely was not my intent and the intent literally was to be like oh my god i get to make world building a job this is class thank you but uh that some people didn't take it that way um so that's the apology cool makes sense it does make sense <laughs> um but uh so anyhow that so that is the thank yous and the follow-ups um Next thing I want to talk about, Bill, uh, if it's okay mm -hmm. with you, is a follow-up on the best things of 2017. Okay. So you asked this in the last show, and I wasn't prepared, and I was kind of like, I don't know, like, what, what, what is, what is, what is the things? Uh, I have two things that I should have brought up, um, or rather, one thing I should have brought up, and one thing I'm going to add to the list. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing I'm going to add to the list is the Blind Boy podcast, which you meant mentioned last show. Yeah. I began listening to that, and holy God, is it an amazing podcast. Like, Isn't it brilliant? It is just the best. Like, I, I'm genuinely thankful that you brought it up, and I was like, oh, I should go check it out. It is so good. And I usually don't like the, the one person speaking into the microphone podcast. There are exceptions to that. Uh, but in general, I'm like, oh, it just it doesn't feel right. But he pulls it off so well with like his like Tom Waits esque sort of like like piano music playing quietly in the background his like really soft uh deep voice discussing all of this like philosophy and it's just yeah oh it's just so so good so i would encourage any like everyone to check it out bill is dead right in that there is a cultural barrier there um but i think people in the uk certainly would be able to get all the little bits of like in culture so to speak um, I, I don't know which episode you've listened to, but he, he, he talks about his stats every so often. And he's got listener, he's got a load in the States um, and a fair few in, in the rest of the Anglophone world. I'm sure a lot of those are Irish immigrants. Yeah. Uh, emigrants, um, whichever the correct one is, migrants. Um, but still, I mean, there, there's, there's obviously not all of them. Yeah, that's fair. Exactly. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I would encourage people to go check it out. And, like, he deals with, um, like, kind of topics we deal with here, like like writing. Ostensibly, the podcast is about he wrote a short storybook and he wants to kind of sell it. Um, mm -hmm. And then it's degenerated into him as his sort of, like, stream of consciousness. So if there's anyone here who's a writer uh, and likes writing and is interested in hearing other people talk about, like, the creative process and how mm -hmm. they deal with these things, amongst other things. Like, it, it, I think it could be genuinely useful. Um, so, I think it's applicable here, and I'm going to put it in the show notes, and I think you should check it out. Um, he, he's got a great episode where he talks about uh, Caravaggio a load as well, because he's, he's you know, really into art, and he knows a lot about art. 
That's a, that's a very good episode, actually. I did not listen to that because I started listening. I, I rarely ever kind of go back through podcast back catalogs unless it's oh, okay. unless every episode is dependent on the previous one. Um, mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a continuous narrative. So I just started reading. I just started listening at the point I jumped in, which was what was that episode? I can't remember. I can't remember which one that was, but it's great. It's just it's just it's so, so, so good. Um and yeah, so thank you, Bill. Best thing of 2017. That is one, and I really have to thank you for for uh, showing me it. Not at all. Uh, I've been listening to a bit of uh, of podcasts recently. Actually, I've gotten way, way more into it in the last while, um, which, as I've which mentioned I, over the past few episodes. Which I've always found really weird because you you make podcasts, but you're not actually yeah. that big a podcast listener. Yeah, I mean, look, up until probably quite late last year, I. I I'm sure I've mentioned Garth Marenghi's Dark Place before. No, I don't. Okay, well it's it's this it's it's this TV show. I won't go into the, the specifics of it now, but it's um it's kind of about a a terrible horror writer. And at one point, he says of himself, "I'm actually notable. I'm one of the few people who's written more books than he's read." All right. Um, <laughs> and uh, that was me with regards to podcasts up until probably sometime over the summer. I'd actually made a lot more podcasts than I'd ever listened to. Sadly, that's no longer the case. Um, or well, it was a good thing that's no longer the case, but um, it, it was a funny claim to be able to make. Um, I've listened to Welcome to Night Vale a lot recently. Oh, that's that's really interesting, right? That's what, considered one of the like the big, big, big podcasts. I yeah. found it impermeable. I just could not get into it. Interesting. Because Is, was it because it was the one person? Well, yeah, well, A, it was because of the format. one person thing, but also I listened to it like the usual thing. I just jump in wherever it's at. Have a listen to that yeah. and gauge, see whether or, whether or not I like it. And then it became so abundantly clear that there was no way you'd be able to understand this without going back and listening to the whole narrative. Okay. And then I was just like, I just, probably the one person thing just made it so that I was like, I'm not bothered. So I just, I mm. really quickly gave up on Welcome Nightfell. Again, it's not bad or anything. And I think the premise is really cool. Oh, TLDR, for anyone who doesn't know, it's like a fictional radio broadcast. Um from yeah. a fic- it's, it's community radio from a town where weird fiction happens yeah a fictional town where weird fiction happens mm-hmm. um and the the premise is great and i like the sort of like almost i don't know ward world-esque sort of radio drama <laughs> thing like that is a really cool idea i just it's just not for me uh but you enjoy it mm. yeah i do i'm I'm a, I'm a little over a year into it now because i did go back to the start i i initially Someone played it for me, played me the first episode about two or three years ago, and I enjoyed it, but I just, you know, I, I didn't listen to podcasts and I couldn't get my head into the, that space. But um, it's on Spotify now, and I was like, oh, sure, I'll give it another try. Um, and I've, yeah, I've listened to maybe 30 episodes Wait, or so now. Hang on. Do you listen to your podcast on Spotify? I listen to that one on Spotify. Okay. Would you not just listen to it in the podcast player? Sometimes. Oh, but, I mean, oh, I found that one on spot on on. Spotify, and that's where, like, the log of which ones I've listened to are, and so it's always in my, like, you know, recently listened to, and it automatically plays them in order, whereas the podcast player I have, I have to, like, automatically update it, and it's a whole thing. Hmm. Does it Me- means of access is a big thing for me. See, this is one of the weird things about podcasting, right? Like, the, the, the whole decentralized nature of podcasting is one of its big plus points, but at the mm-hmm. same time, everyone has their own special unique way of listening to podcasts 
And it's mm. it's really weird, especially in YouTube land, where it's like, if you want to watch a video, you go to YouTube to watch said video. And because it's so centralized, like creators can have lots of metrics and lots of data and they can do a whole lot of web-based things around it. Whereas the podcast thing, it's kind of like, it's just, what do you call that shruggy emoji? The shruggy emoticon. It's just like meh, whatever. Like it's just it's such a weird feeling. Like there's people watching on the web through Spotify in players. Uh, they download each file and store the files locally. Then there's people who don't do that, and it's just it's just a crazy wild west world out there. Um, and I hope it remains like that. I'm not complaining because if it doesn't remain like that, we're going to get a YouTube for podcasts, and I don't think that's what people want. Um, but that's just just a little comment there. Um, welcome to the world of podcasting, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what, what's the other good stuff of 2017? The other big thing of 2017 is Hamilton. Have you heard of this? Okay. Have you have I heard of it? Or have you A, heard of it? Or if you have, have you listened to it? I have heard so much about it. Um, and I have listened to some of it. Okay. I think... Uh, okay, the backstory here to, to spin to weave a bit of a narrative for you guys is that uh, I was dimly aware of Hamilton as a thing. In the briefest of TLDRs, I was kind of like, "Oh, it's uh, a retelling of some part of American history history with a diverse cast." I was like, "Oh, that that sounds really fun. That's great." And mm-hmm. I never really looked into it. And then Pence, the thing happened with Mike Pence, yeah, where, where he showed up and. They they had him a speech and then Trump got all angry and all the craziness and I was kind of like oh okay that's it was in the news cycle so I looked into it a little bit more became a little bit more aware of it but not to the point where I started listening to it the whole way through um and then I went over to Zidnaf's place to see the eclipse and on the like six hour drive over to Wyoming uh it we played it in the car so I was kind of like a captive prisoner so to speak in the best possible way. And I was kind of forced to listen to this again in the best possible way. Like I, I, I didn't say no, and they just did it anyways. Um, and ever, ever since that point, I have just listened to it on loop, like repeatedly, all the time. Like I listened to the entire thing today once through. It's just, <laughs> it's just the most. It like I cannot, I cannot under uh, overstate how amazing I think it is. I think it's a work of art. I think it's a work of musical theatre genius. I think it's a work of music theory genius as well. I think what they do musically in there is crazy. I think it's a work of hip-hop genius, the way it pulls in loads of hip-hop teams. It's just, it's the most fantastic thing ever. And even when I take in all the things that I don't like about it, like there's a whole, if you want, I can go through the negatives in a bit. They don't outweigh it at all. There's some pretty huge negatives, but... Every time I hear it, I'm just kind of like, I'm brought into the happy place. And it's just, it's just, it's just so, so good. So if you haven't listened to Hamilton, uh, dear listener, you, you really have to just park two and a half hours one weekend and just listen to it straight through. It's just, it's just phenomenal. What do you think, Bill? <laughs> what do you think about Hamilton? What do you think about Hamilton? Yes. I don't like it. No, Really? Like, I don't like, really like musical theatre all that much. Uh, you, but see, that's, I'm not a big fan of musical theatre in general. Oh, no. Um, really? <sighs> now, I, re- I, respect, I respect musical theatre as a thing, and there's some I like. Like, for example, I love Bernstein. I absolutely love uh, West Side Story. I think, I think it's, a, it's, it's fantastic um, music and it's a, and a piece of theatre. I mean, I don't really know anything about theatre, but I, I enjoy this. Um, 
And I really, you know, obviously you know that I love hip-hop and I have a lot of strong feelings about that. Um, from what I've heard of Hamilton, like I gave it a try um, and I didn't like it because I think it does a disservice to musical theatre and hip-hop. Oh, you're going to have to explain that because I don't no, think that's... <laughs> but I don't think that's... I won't. But I don't think that's the case at all. Like, how was it doing at the surface to hip-hop? Like, the rapping in it is really good. And, the, like, the the references to other uh, great artists or works in hip-hop in it are really, like, intelligent throughout it. Like, it's not like... It's not like, you know, like, when... When, like, Linkin Park uh, bastardized rap. Like, it's not, like, doing a service like that. Like, it's... it's it, those people genuinely rap like Miranda the guy who wrote it yeah. genuinely raps yeah Lin-Manuel Miranda seems like a great guy and he's super talented um I know I just I it didn't it didn't speak to me much I like I, I just don't think that they the 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 media the mediums go well together I I it just it doesn't work for me now I will say that I've listened to the Hamilton mixtape and I think that's really good which is a lot of the songs reworked and done by other like uh, people who are like full time rappers and things as their main thing, not people who are in musical theatre, and that worked for me a little bit better as a mixtape rather than as a kind of a cast recording of a musical. Hmm. I have not listened to the mixtape the whole way through. Uh, I've listened to it in bits. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see that. I'm genuinely disappointed, Bill. I really well, am. Like, cause honestly, I just, I just don't particularly care for musical theater. So, but the thing is, the <laughs> it was always, it was always going to have to fight to, 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 to win me over. Maybe I'll give it another chance and love it. But just I, right now, from what I've heard, I, I don't like it all that much. Hmm, that's that's really interesting. If you ever do give it another chance, talk about it. I want to hear. It. I'd love to hear mm-hmm. about it. Um, if I may, really quickly talk about some negative points. Sure. Uh, you 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 haven't listened to the whole way through, but you understand the broad strokes of it. Like, it's the life of Alexander Hamilton. Alexander, yes, the, the, yes. The, it, is, is that the right name, the, Alexander? That will be the title um, of the first song. Yes. <laughs> I joke. I, I joke. That was the correct first. I'm going to come up to Dublin. I'm going to smack you. <laughs> <laughs> um. And like the politics, like he was uh, around at the time of the American Revolution and in the politics afterwards. And Aaron Burr is kind of the villain, or at least a sort of a rival, etc. I-, I would argue that I-, I think Aaron Burr is actually the main character, but that's just my own little thing. Uh, I okay. actually, I actually think Hamilton is a bit kind of like um, uh, he's. He, he doesn't go through enough kind of like change over the course of the show um, right. to warrant him kind of being the main character. Yeah, everyone sings about him. That, that's great and all. But I actually think the most interesting character is Burr and he's there the whole way through and he narrates mm-hmm. the thing as well. So in depending on your point of view, Burr could be the character. But I am getting I am getting off track. Uh, yes, okay, that is essentially the story of Alexander Hamilton and the founding of America and how all the things came to be. Um my big problems is that is it's that it's really great that um a diverse cast took this on um mm-hmm. but my problem is that it's like it's not real diversity uh and I know that's uh, like a, a true Scotsman fallacy but just, just hear it me um it is 
a load of people of color singing what is ostensibly a white man song. Like they're all just they were all just white men. So we don't actually hear any stories of people of color from that time. And as far as I okay. as far as I'm aware, I think there are some really compelling stories about people of color who like fought in the revolution and you know, it would be nice to hear those stories as opposed to hearing like more narratives of rich white men and how they all yeah. changed the world. So that's that that is problematic. Um I think if you're going to tell that story, it's really cool to tell it from a, a coloured perspective, sure. But I would have liked to hear a story. Uh, I would have truly liked to hear a story that was just uh, just of people of colour. Um, mm-hmm. That would be one. And second of all, it's kind of a follow-on point, is it, it really furthers the narrative of great white men. It's like, you know, the, the revolution was won because Hamilton did whatever and George Washington did whatever. When, like, really... History, uh, I, this is a bit like, this is hardly a, a liberal point of view here, but history is not really the deeds of any one person. Do you know, it's just kind of like yeah. the mass of humanity just moves itself along and we're just players and things like that. Uh, it, so it, it's, yeah, it's great man history. Yeah, it's great man. And, and it, it really makes like Hamilton like the greatest of men. Do you know what I mean? Because I, as far as I'm aware, I, th- I think Americans were looking to scrap Hamilton from... Uh, their money, he's on their money, and they're just kind of let's get rid of him. No one cares, and apparently now they're not doing that because everyone cares, and that's kind of the thing that I I, I don't like. It's kind of like let's just deify these few great men, uh, and that that bothers me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. but even with those two points, I'm still kind of like I just love, I love it, I love it so much. Oh God! And then the Biggie Smalls references and the references to Destiny's Child. It's just oh my God! It's just it's. Just, I'm sorry. It's the greatest thing ever, Bill. Um, anyhow, so TLDR. Those are the two things I think best of 2017. Uh, you're you introducing me to the Blind Boy podcast and Hamilton and American sh- uh, an American musical. Links in the show notes. Cool. Cool. All right. Do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about Star Trek next? Sure. Okay. What you got uh, in Star Trek? Have you watched the 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 few episodes since it's come back? I have. Uh, has there been a new one out today? Yes. Mm, I have not watched that one. Um, <laughs> that was why. That was why I asked to do the podcast later. Oh, I thought it was. Be- oh, oh, sorry. Wait. <laughs> 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 I well, hang on. I took that as in I did not get a chance to watch the last one, and I will not get a chance until Monday evening. So we have to record Monday evening. I was like, okay, fair enough. Well, there you go. <laughs> Do you want to tell me what happens in this next episode? Com- communication not- is at an all-time high in Artifexian Towers. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, do you want to tell me what happens in this episode if it's crucial to your story? I'm not pushed about spoilers. I don't care. It's it's not especially crucial. No, it's not especially crucial. Um, uh, what what do you think of of the 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 two episodes since it's come back that you've seen? Uh, the standout one was the one where uh, Burnham has to kill your man. Uh, isn't that it? Isn't that what happened? Tyler. Yeah. What the hell happened again? Jesus, Bill, do you know what I thought? I, I watched this with the captain, right? And I was kind of like, yes, that's a really, really good episode. I'll talk to Bill about this. And now it has entirely left me. What happened in the episode? They were in the shadow, the, the mirror universe thing. Yeah. And Tyler, uh, with his weird Klingon, um, uh, like, 
being Takuvma thing. He turned into Takuvma, and then she had to make the call to like kill him, uh, to keep cover. Wasn't that it? Uh, no. Well, he didn't turn into into Takuvma. He turned into the 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 white guy. Oh, sorry. The, the yeah. White Klingon. Yeah, sorry. I used the wrong name. What's what's the white Klingon called? Uh, I can't remember actually. Um, I think it says a lot about a show. I'm I, just before I say that, I'm generally positive Vok. towards Vok. Vok. V O Q. Do I have to bleep out Vok? No, you don't. I don't. Okay, cool. That could go on. <laughs> um, the I'm generally positive towards this, um, but I, I still don't think it's a great Star Trek, and I think the fact that we're not remembering characters, especially like central characters. And I'm failing to remember the plot lines of uh, episodes that, when watching them, really appeal to me. I think it speaks mm-hmm. volumes about the show, just as a as a bit of commentary. Anyhow, that that being said, when I was watching it, I really liked it. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was cool. Uh, I, I think the the whole universe though it has a slight problem with like a narrative thread. I still don't know what exactly they're really doing. Like, we were doing the, like, fighting Klingon bit, and now we've been in the other universe for a little bit of time, and, and then we're going to go back. And it, it, I, I can't TL Dior this show very well, other than it's war with the Klingons. Um, I think that's problematic. Yeah? Right. So what what do you think? Um, I strongly dislike the Mirror Universe as a, as a concept. Have always strongly disliked it? I don't remember it very clearly from the other checks I've watched. Okay, because it's a recurring thing, like... Uh, oh, I, yeah, I know that it's a recurring thing, yeah. but it's just it's just silly. Ah, yeah, but Trek it's is a bit silly. so silly. It's, <laughs> just... it's so overwhelmingly silly. Um, <laughs> like, how how can, like, history be the opposite way around the entire way through, but the same people exist? It's yeah. absurd. Yeah, it is. It is absurd, but I think it's one of those things where you're just like, you roll with it a little bit. Yeah. Um, um, and I really didn't like how the doctor got killed. Um, because I think it's the first time there's been openly gay characters in Star Trek. And that there's been a gay couple in Star Trek. And then they've, you know, they've done that and that's been really good. And then they fall into this constant thing in media of where gay characters are killed off. Yeah, I seen. And that just I really seen, annoyed me. Yeah, I seen a lot of tweets actually around that where people were kind of like, "Oh, you're you're really diverse, Star Trek, uh, which you're killing off of all the diverse characters or writing them into oblivion and things like that." Um, I'm with you on that. I was kind of like, "Ah, why did you have to go kill him?" Like, yeah, it was just, it's just, it's just kind of like it's just cheap. It just felt really cheap. And, and aside from the whole thing about like, wouldn't it have been great great to have the gay couple continue on, and we could hear stories from them. It's just, yeah. it just felt like narratively a bit wrong. It's kind of like we didn't really establish them all that well as a couple. Yeah. Like we didn't hear, we didn't see them go through emotions, and we really connected with them. It's kind of like we were told that they were a couple, and I think they shared one kind of like cozy nighttime scene. Uh, yeah. And then it's like, kill the guy. And it's like, well, okay, if you're going to kill someone, though, you need to make us feel for that before you kill them off. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it felt cheap, but it didn't actually have that much power to it because no. he hadn't been greatly established as a character, I don't think. And then also, the, the other, I keep forgetting his name, Stamets, Stamets. Stamets is, is like comatose in the corner, right? So we can't get, mm. <laughs> we can't get a reaction from Stamets, you know? 
Yeah. There's we don't get a, like any sort of sense of powerful uh, emotion from that. So I I'm with you. I didn't I didn't particularly like that. I think the guy being what's his name? Fuck. I'm going to stick with fuck. Uh, the guy like being fuck and having like the fuck being like grafted to his insides as far as I'm concerned is just it just seems weird. It just seems yeah. really strange. I, would you not notice that? Like, would you not notice that they they, they explain it more much more clearly in the next episode? Um, but it didn't make it. I I just still thought it was a, it was a bit silly. Um, it does. It does answer why uh, Yuan was having sex with him and how perhaps that might anatomically work. Um, Perhaps, maybe, if I really well, stretch my belief, my uh, suspension of disbelief. Humans and Klingons can have sex. They can, they can interbreed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know. I know this. I I know this. But uh, we are told that in the Star Trek universe that people can interbreed, but we never see it like graphically. And when you see it graphically, you're kind of reminded, kind of like. How does that work? Like, you know, like being told that it's fine. It's like here, here is a person who is half Klingon, half human, or here's a person who's half Vulcan, half human. That's fine. But again, seeing it, I think is a whole different thing. Seeing in this case, Bill is disbelieving for me. <laughs> um, the thing I'll say is the next episode has a very good twist. Has a very good twist. Okay. All I right. wasn't really enjoying the episode, but the last like few minutes is a very, very good twist in it. Uh, okay, I will get to, I will get back to will follow up on that. Um, we cool. again, myself and the captain, we watch it every Monday night. Um, mm. So <laughs> I'll remember for next time if Bill gets a late recording. That's what he means. Um, the uh, a question I have: uh, What did you think of Tilly in the uh, mirror universe? As in regular universe, Tilly. When she w- ended up in in the mirror universe, yeah, yeah, how they played her off with, with like the the captain role or whatever, quite well. Yeah, I enjoyed it. You see, I didn't uh, because I they just okay. I, the premise is great. It's like you you have the one who's kind of like a bit bumbly and a bit kind of insecure, and then you're you chore in the deep end that she has to kind of just do this, like, mm-hmm. and it's a real powerful sort of thing, and that's great. Um, but. Uh, whichever way they edited like it seemed like it snapped to it like she was all like bumbly and like oh i can't and i can't and then and then as the way i remember it is that the communications thing came on and it was like she had one second to make this happen and then she just executed coming across as the like the badass captain without any problem and i thought it was kind of like right that was a was a bit it's a bit weird like you know one like literally one second she's uh stuttering and the next second she's uh, she has a flawless performance like jesus you should really get into acting because that's that's really good <laughs> so i just the the way they executed that was kind of a bit a bit weird for me it just didn't seem very realistic but like feck it it's trek like you know we're in a mirror universe like none of it's realistic so you know <laughs> um <laughs> uh but anyway yeah uh, it's i suppose in summation uh after the last episode so this is the episode prior to the one that you've just watched today uh mm. i have renewed hopes for the franchise it's kind of like that was that was a solid episode you really made me feel when Burnham had to the had to um had to deal with tyler um yeah so i, I look forward to this next one cool cool uh bit of star wars follow-up sure okay so, uh, a quick, really quick thing on the subreddit. Uh, I, the subreddit was kind of 
like, I suppose, was like a microcosm for the world in that there was many people who were like, I agree with Edgar and Bill that, that The Last Jedi was terrible. And loads of people who were like, you're 110% wrong. It's actually the best movie ever. Um, and I find that just endlessly fascinating that it can be so polarizing. It's very interesting how polarizing it is, yeah. It's really interesting. Uh, so and I want to make really clear at this point that there is a lot of really, really bad criticism of it out there. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I think we attempted to criticize it from a sort of like filmic point of view. Um, do you know? I think, I think yeah. our criticism was like, agree with it or not. I think we tried to do it very much like, you know, as in this does nothing for the story or this comes out of nowhere and things like that. But I know what yeah. you're referring to. And yes. I, I, I don't think we, we ended up in the, the uh, misogynistic criticism camp. And I don't think we ended up in the entitled fanboy why they didn't do it the way I like camp. I just didn't think it was that good a film. I, okay. Uh, the, have you seen the, the, the re-edit of Jedi that some uh, misogynistic group did? Or not of seen the last you, Jedi, of the last Jedi, yeah, yeah. I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, there's this. That's there's a thing. That's a thing, and I was kind of like, what? What's going on here? Why are you doing this? Like, and it was really funny because I I read through uh, someone shared it on Twitter, and I read through their cuts, like they outlined a whole load of like this will be cut and that will be cut, and I know their agenda was obviously get rid of all women, yeah, and like okay, a that is terrible. Right, we need to make this very clear. It's very, very terrible. And then, like B, it's like, but you're making the movie worse here, right? Like, you're like, their goal is like, let's make yeah. the Last Jedi a better movie. It's like, no, no. But you see, when you take out chunks of it like that, you're making it a worse movie. So you're doing none of like, you just, oh, it's just, it's just, it's so infuriating. It's so stupid, and people just need to stop with that. It's just nonsense. Because like, they were they were the least worst characters in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah totally um but the the other thing what you're saying about the oh yeah yeah um the people who are kind of like the fanboy sort of thing Mm -hmm. like they're they're never it's never going to work out for them i kind of feel sorry like people are kind of like oh like i'm not getting the look of my youth back and it's like, yeah. but it's never coming back, you know? And yeah, because that was 40 years ago. Yeah, and I don't understand why people cling on to it. Like, I and I, I can totally no, see cling people... No, Klingons are from Star Trek, man, not Star Wars. Oh, God damn it, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> no regrets. I can totally see people saying, Edgar, that's really hypocritical because you've talked long and hard about how, like, like, Trek is not like the way it was before and things like that. I think the difference there is that I'm not looking for just a plain retelling of what occurred. Like, I saw loads mm-hmm. of people be all like, oh, Luke was a hero. He kind of, you know, he came from nothing and worked his way up. We want to see more of that. And it's like, do you want us to retell the exact same story over and over and over again? I'm more looking for the spirit of the thing. Like, uh, I think a thing needs to have the same yeah. spirit, but can have different characters. It can have... It can yeah. be totally different as long as it still is the same spirit. And I still think that these movies, uh, I still I think that these movies do not have the same spirit as uh, as the old ones. Um, anyhow, that that was not that was just meant to be a little sort of like commentary on what the subreddit did. Ten minutes there. Um, the uh, two things I think I've I know what's wrong with Star Star Wars. What's that? I think 
my main problem, I watched it again. I went with the captain because she hadn't seen it. So we went to cinema. Um, and going into it a second time when I wasn't trying to pay attention to story and things like that, I think the major, major problem is that it's too self-aware. Like, it knows it's Star Wars. It knows we know it's Star Wars. And it knows that it needs to kind of, like, subvert that. And there's so much of it that if you just remove the fact that we all know that this is Star Wars, it just is stupid. Um, like, I don't know, like a little line, uh, this isn't a big deal or anything, but just kind of sort of highlights it. When they're on the salt planet and the guys are in the trenches and then one of the soldier like, licks the soil uh, or licks the salt and goes, hmm, salt or whatever. It's like, you're only saying that because all we're thinking is, oh my God, is this Hoth again? Is this another ice planet? Like, we have to be told that because it knows that we know. And that is just like a a recipe for just a not a good movie because then you're getting the way of storytelling then when you're just trying to constantly reference and subvert everything that's in the culture already. And so that's what I think is the fundamental problem and what they should have done. Uh, I have now come to uh, understand or come to the conclusion is that they should have just abandoned that storyline, like left the Luke, uh, Leia solo storyline and just told an entirely different story in the Star Wars universe. Like, how did the first Jedi come to be? How was the Force, how did the Force manifest itself? Go way far removed Mm. from everything that we know so we don't constantly need to undercut and reference everything. So that's what I think is the wrong thing. Thoughts. (laughs) Thoughts. <laughs> they're they're weighted down by the existing mythology. The, Bill, you're so good at summarizing my rambling. Like I rambled for ten minutes, and then like every uh, listeners, you can go through this, and you can see this happen on a near podcast by podcast basis. You're so good at it, Bill. <laughs> I am yeah. good at the concisification of Edgar's ramblacious <laughs> thought mouth sayings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, well, but what do you think about that? Do you think that fair criticism? I think um, there's an element of truth to that, and they're they're kind of edging towards something like that with the anthology films. I know it's still like Rogue One is still very much in the the what's the one I'm trying to say here. Rogue Rogue One is still very much tied into the events of the original trilogy or whatever but it's with new characters and it's telling a, a, a sort of a parallel story. Um, and then other ones they have planned are for Han Solo and for um, Lando Calrissian. Isn't that the other one that's been, that's been suggested? I think so. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're, they're kind of on, they're not fully where you're saying, but they're kind of going that direction. Uh, and I, as I said, I think, I think Rogue One is a great film. I think it's a really, really good film. Um, for a lot of those reasons, that it's not as weighed down. Um, I don't know. I I I like the idea of of finding what happens next after Return of the Jedi. I like I like you know the idea of of seeing what happens, and I think there's great storytelling opportunities in coming back to Luke thirty or forty years later, and how he has changed. You know, with as as he's you know gone through middle age. And what has happened to his idealism, etc. Um, I think that's really fertile. Um, so I wouldn't go so far as to say that that's the problem with Star Wars, but I would agree that they are weighted down with the their existing mythology. That they, there's kind of too much to live up to and too much um, 
existing material there which can constrain their freedom of storytelling. Okay, I see that. I, I don't agree. Uh, I, I think, like you were saying about Luke, uh, seeing Luke through Middle Age as an example and how things change. Um, yeah. that, that I think that is really fertile, but it's fertile in a sort of like uh, sub subplot. But I mm-hmm. think if we keep just like going forward with the one story, we constantly need to kind of like escalate what's going on. So it's like, yeah, you know, there's a war and then there's a bigger war and then there's a bigger war again. And then, you know, I, I think, Absolutely. I think the more we go on the, the, I don't know, almost like the blander, the major arcs will be. Um, because you can't do something like, you can't just completely tear it down. And I don't know. Mm. Well, maybe you could, maybe you could, maybe you could do something like telling the story of, uh, what a re- rebel run world is like or rebel run universe but sure we had that mm. in the prequel so to speak and i i don't know um yeah i'm still i still err on the side that i think that's the main problem and i i kind of think yeah. disney's really milking it like i think disney's really going to town on the fact that we know it's star wars and they know it's star wars and it's just I don't know, it's just a little, it's a little bit uncomfortable. Oh, speaking of uncomfortable, one f- I didn't want to bring this up, but like, you know, it just leads itself in. Um, when we went to watch it a second time, it is, I've never been in a movie theater where jokes just did not land on the people there. And the, it is an intense feeling of discomfort when humor doesn't work. <laughs> and I, I've never experienced this so much than them with the Jedi uh, with the Last Jedi. The first time I watched it, everyone was getting all the jokes. Like when the little puffin things pop out, everyone was laughing, and there was even a few people, uh, a few people going like "aw" and things like that. That made it like fine. But when no one is laughing, good God, does the movie seem painfully awkward? Like really awkward. And there's loads of points that I felt like watching really bad. Big Bang Theory without the laugh track. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, and there was loads of points where it's kind of like, oh, I really hope the captain is enjoying this because I'm going to feel really bad like having, you know, her waste two and a half hours of her night and we came out of it and I was like, what do you think? And she was like, that was the silliest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so she isn't a fan either. Um, <laughs> but anyhow, anyhow so the, fi- the final thing I want to bring up about Star Wars is in the subreddit, someone mentioned about a potential Rey and Kylo romance. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about this? It struck me as an you know interesting my, You know idea. my feelings on romance. Well, okay, but pretend you're just like... Forget being you, Bill. Pretend you're like a writer and you're thinking about okay. how, to, how to make the most interesting story or things like that. Um, I think Rey and Kylo could actually work. Like, it seems like they're building up a, like, a relationship. And... yeah. They they could take that relationship uh, to the next step, and that would be a very interesting idea. That you'd have someone from the light side uh, dating, for what for one better word, someone from the dark side. That that could be really interesting. Do you think? I think so because it doesn't happen. When does that happen? Well, it doesn't happen in Star Wars. You know, it's like if, if Star Wars is a very clearly delineated bad guys and good guys, and it's like. If if Ray and Kylo were to get romantically involved, we could have a whole more discussion, uh, a whole lot more discussion about like you know, uh, listening to the two of them, like talk together intimately could really uh, be like a philosophical um, discourse on good versus evil. Mm-hmm. 
I think that could really work. I don't think I mean, you require romance for that. For that. No, discourse. no, the romance would just be a kind of um, uh, a nice framing device. A nice framing device and something that is it really isn't expected. Like you know, that's that just doesn't happen uh, in Star Wars. That, that could be really interesting. I don't think they're going to do it. I, I, I'm almost certain they're not going to do it. But I thought I thought it'd be really interesting. Hmm. I would. I would hope not. Um. <laughs> I know I, I I couldn't see that happening and making sense in the con- context of him staying evil like it, f- for that for that to be and um let me get my thoughts in order for a second for that to happen uh with him staying evil and her staying good uh would require like really reinforcing this like though there is a good bad you know a good evil dichotomy here um which I'm not that keen on. I think it was, you know, it's more interesting when it, when it, it blurs those lines a little bit, you know, exposes the hypocrisy of the, the older Jedis and that kind of thing. Um, and the, the only, only other way I could see it working is if Kylo was redeemed through love. And I would hate that. Just as you said the words redeemed through love, I was like, oh yeah, Bill, this isn't a serious suggestion for Bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think it, okay. I think out of all the sort of uh, possible romances uh, that we have been shown in the Star Wars universe, the mm-hmm. Ray Kylo thing is a thing that I think could work. Um, it right. would certainly work better than Padme and Anakin, because <laughs> that didn't work at all. Uh, I know. I think it's an interesting theory. I I think it's an interesting thing, uh, and I just wanted to put on the show because I thought that was that bit of feedback or that bit of like speculation was show worthy, uh, and I will put the the redditor's name in the show notes um, because I've forgotten who you are and I do not have Reddit open in front of me at the moment. Um, anyhow, shall we crack on to uh, to the last last two items of follow up? Sure. All right, these are all Bill. I have no idea what you're going to talk about. Hit me with it. What do you got? Um, I watched another TV show that we uh, discussed or that has certainly come up on the podcast before. Um, one that I said that I was not going to watch. Ah, Stranger Things. I watched Stranger Things. Both seasons? Yes. All right, okay. What did you think? Uh, you posted this on Facebook uh, and I, I actually, I did not read this. Because I was like, I guarantee you Bill will want to talk about this on the podcast. So I'm Absolutely. Com- I am coming to this fresh. I, I think okay, hold on. Wait. I think I think your aversion to plucky kids is so strong that you won't be able to see through them and you will not have liked it in general. But I can see you liking bits of it. Like I can see you say, I don't know, liking some of the horror stuff, for example. Uh, but overall, okay. I think you'll lean on the side of negative. Okay. All right. What's your thoughts? <laughs> um, the kids were not as plucky as I had feared. Oh, really? Yeah. They weren't, they weren't like, really annoying. Who's your favorite kid? There's, um, only, there's only one right answer, Bill. You better get it right. Otherwise, we're getting a divorce. <laughs> I, am, I am confident that your right answer is Dustin. Oh yeah, but that means that means you have a different right answer. I I can't decide between Dustin and Lucas. I really like Lucas, especially in the first season because he's wrong about everything in the first season. 
but he's entire like his he's like wrong for all of the right reasons. He's completely reasonable in saying I don't trust L, and everything you're saying is completely ridiculous. Of course, he's not a bloody psychic. That's that's absurd. Um, now he's wrong, but fair enough. Like you, you can see why he come to that wrong conclusion, which is always a thing I, I enjoy. Hmm. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Once again, you have demonstrated that you are perhaps the more intelligent person out of this duo because <laughs> I like Dustin purely because his his little the thing he does with his mouth is just really fun, and he's a really funny character. He just fills my heart with joy, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he he is a lot of fun. He's 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 a bit of an arse in the second season. Yeah, yeah, he is totally. Yeah, totally. Uh, but he redeemed it. He redeemed it at the end with the oh, now I've I've no idea what it's called. Are they called Jerry curls? The hair. I, I'm not sure if it's exactly a Jerry curl, but it certainly looks a lot like a Jerry curl. Yeah, he he has some funky hair going on at the ball. I was like, just and everyone's making fun of him, and it's I was like. I, that's, like, amazing hair. He looks so good. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He looks terrible, man. Oh, it looked great. Oh, no, are you being serious? Yes, I thought it was great. Uh, <laughs> oh, Bill, he looked like a train wreck, man. But oh. I quite like Jerry Curls, so... Oh. No, oh, God, I can't believe you think that. You're so different. Okay, anyway, pl- plucky kids. The kids were not as plucky as you thought. That's that's yeah. good. Okay, I didn't expect that. Um, um, what else? Mike and Will are just completely uninteresting to me. Uh, characters. Yeah, well, obviously in in the first one, it's hard to be interested in Will. Other than, yeah. oh, we need to save him. Uh, Mike, yeah, Mike is he's fierce, bland. There's there's really not a whole lot going on there. Other than I miss, I am either falling in love with L or I am missing L, yeah. and the pl- and... the plot kind of happens through me a little bit, but there's no real thing to him. Yeah, I I thought the. the... I thought that the romance felt kind of forced and weird between him, him and uh, between him and L. Um, I did like how at the end of the first season, after everything that uh, Nancy and Jonathan have gone through together, she doesn't end up with Jonathan. He like he doesn't win the girl. I thought I thought that was really good. I appreciated that. <laughs> I I think th- I I agree. I think the show does a wonderful do- job of turning Steve from the bad guy into a complete hero. Yeah, and the- and then and then from a complete hero in the second season to k- kind of like a source of ridicule as well. Like it's just the- he's ha- like Steve is handled so well, and like when we were watching it with the Captain, like. We used to we loved the Steve scenes. Like, yeah, they're so much fun. And you know, the second one where they're like, uh, they're um, they're in the they're in the like trailer park or wherever. Uh, in the junkyard. In the junkyard. Yeah, in the junkyard. Yeah, and they're there to fight the demogorgons. And Steve mm-hmm. is all like, you know, being all impressed. Was like, I've done this before, and it's like, yeah, but you remember when you did it before? You were a crying mess, man. It was so funny, so good. Oh. I I really liked how he ended up like his his role at the end of the second season was looking after the kids. Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't feel I didn't feel that it was belittling him that he was doing that or that he was being emasculated or being made fun of because of that. It was just, that's what he can do. And that's a thing that needs to be done. So he's going to do it and he's going to do it well. And it's it's not like this is demeaning to you because you're a man. It's just, yeah. he's the right person for this job right now. And I'm like, that's, that's good. You know, that's, that's, 
That's good gender politics. Uh, I think, yeah, I think Steve, Steve is up there with my favorite character, uh, characters. Mm-hmm. My favorite character, and this is not entirely serious, uh, is Bob. I adore Bob, man. <laughs> Bob. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't really decide about him for a long time, but I ultimately I did like him. Like he's just he's just this kind of loser dork, and <laughs> yeah. even though he's this this loser dork, Winona Ryder is in love. Like Winona Ryder is in love. With him. <laughs> but he's just he's so nice and he's so understanding of everything. It's like oh, and so uncool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like when they're like, oh, okay, so your family like was involved in opening up the portal to hell. Okay, I still love you, Winona Ryder. It's just like, go on, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> I love him. I like. I th- I think though, like the way he met his end could have been a little bit more. He could have milked it a little bit more. He kind he kind of maybe died a little bit unemphatically. He's like trying to make it out and he's nearly there and then the monster yeah. just plow him in the lobby of the of the building. He, he kind of deserved it, but like, because he just stood there for a second looking at looking at Winona Ryder. Um, <laughs> yeah, but a second in film, Bill, is not a real second, no? Like, that could have oh, been... Well, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't measure it, but he stood there for a bit even though there was a monster behind him. Right, right but, but like, he could have stood there for five minutes, right? But that, in, in, in film world, could have been like a fraction of a microsecond. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know why film can, like, stretch time, Bill? <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. This has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, no, it, wait, what? it totally does. You were so like, you, he, he stood yes, there. Yes, I'm aware that filmmakers can change the perception of time. Yes, like. yes. So you're like, he stood there for a second looking at Winona Ryder. And what I'm saying is, he might have stood there for, like, a fraction of a microsecond. But the filmmakers were like, let's elongate that so we can feel it a little bit more. Do you know, I'm not... Did, did you get me, like... Yeah, but, like, that. it wasn't that. Like, it wasn't that it was only a fraction of a second and and they stretched it out. It was like he, he saw an enemy rider and then he stood there and then the Demogorgon ate him. Okay, uh, maybe I'm not remembering correct. But anyway, yeah, he was, he did deserve it. And it was a bit unemphatic and I'm sad he's gone because Bob yeah. Bob was a legend. In Bob we trust, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I like how at the very start of the first season they inverted the horror movie thing. Because Nancy goes off to have sex, and she doesn't die, but her her was it uh, Brenda stays behind and doesn't have sex, and she does die, which Brenda? is like was it, was it Brenda or Barbara Barb Barbara Barb. Barb yeah yeah Barb Barb stays behind and doesn't have sex, and she's the one who dies, which is like total inversion of every eighties horror film. Oh, where that's, sex kills. Okay, so that's interesting because I don't watch horror films because I am a big scaredy cat. And I yeah. don't like being frightened. So I actually don't know anything about the tropes of Aww. it. Um, yeah, I'm not even going to lie. I may have spent a significant portion of Stranger Things underneath uh, a pillow. Um, hiding behind the captain. Hiding behind the captain. We have a funny running joke where whenever I go hide behind a pillow, after it's done, I like pop out and be like, it's okay. I got this. You're fine. As in, like, as if, <laughs> as if I'm doing the protecting, and she's there, like, you know, like a stone faced killer watching, uh, watching this, not yeah. like not bothered at all. I'm like, oh god, it's a scary monster gone. <laughs> um, um, I liked how in the second season, the the representative of the labs was a kind of a sympathetic character, like the doctor. He was kind of, you know. He wasn't as as malevolent as Papa was in the first one. He mm-hmm. was just he was a guy doing a job, and he he kind of wanted to do right. Yeah, I, I agree. They they brought an awful lot more complexity to the whatever that's called the building. Um, yeah, 
Hawkins uh, yeah. Labs. Hawkins Labs. Totally agree with that point. Edgar? Bill. Here's a question for you. Okay. Which character out of Stranger Things do I identify most with? Mm. Which is the most Bill character, do you think? Uh, okay, okay. Uh, it has to be... So it's going to be someone who's nerdy, uh, who's intelligent, I would imagine. Uh, so I'm going to say it's not Lucas because you brought him up already. Uh, I don't think you're going to bring it back to Lucas. Okay. I don't think it's any of the kids. I want it to be Bob, <laughs> but it's not. It's not Bob. Uh, not, not, not the sheriff. Oh, oh, hang it. School teacher. It's a school teacher. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Mr. It Clark. Is. Mr. Clark. <laughs> I love Mr. Clark. <laughs> I, I love the way he just is so unaware of what's going on. Like, he comes within inches several times of being told, oh, yeah, like, hell is, like, coming upon us. And mm. he just continues on his existence, and he just dispenses scientific wisdom and talks about D and D with with the three lads, with the three guys. It's yeah. just like, oh my god, you're so you're so good. <laughs> That's like, you know, because th- th- there's so much that that, that I, I appreciate here. Um, obviously, he's a teacher, and that's what I spend most of my my employment doing teaching. He has got a rocking mustache. <laughs> I love I love his style. I no, I disagree. Style is terrible, man. Oh man, those no, no, it's class. Those knitted tank tops, it's absolutely class. No, I would, I would, I would love to have the audacity to to, to pull that off. What? Why? Oh, uh, I know I just, why. I just like how that looks. I know why. It's because you're old, Bill. <laughs> um, um, I'm gonna pass over that. And his uh, his students go to him to talk about D and D and stuff. So I'm like that, except my students come to talk to me about metal. Uh, are and you like D&D. that? What? Are are you are you genuinely like that? Do do students approach you like after hours, so to speak, and be like, "Let's talk about a thing, teacher"? Um, no, but certainly in lessons, and uh, I I I keep in touch. Well, no, I don't keep in touch with, but like I I I like talking to students after I've stopped teaching them. Like if if I meet them, you know, once they finished school or whatever, I like to catch up with them and talk to them about stuff like that. I have and been, I like to talk to them like about music and things outside of what I'm actually teaching. There's been several times where I have met a, an old student of mine mm-hmm. and, and they were like, Edgar, hi. And I'm like, hey, how are you? And they're like, good, good. Do you remember, do you remember me? And I'm like, no. Who are, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> and they're like, I, they're like uh, my name is Daniel. I'm like... Okay, uh, how do how do I how do I know each other? They're like, you used to teach me guitar. I'm like, oh, that's nice, Daniel. How are you getting on? It's like I just don't I don't remember them at all. Mainly because like I teach I taught them when they were like six or seven, and like yeah. they're then twelve, and you're like, there's a big difference between six and seven and twelve. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's it's it wasn't like me to after hours uh, be like, let's talk about stuff. Or even in lessons, it's like, no, we have a job to do here, children. We're doing the job and then y'all get out of my house. It's as simple as that. Um, I was a very strict teacher. Very, very strict <laughs> teacher. Um, anyhow, anyhow, I digress. Mr. Clark, whopping mustache and terrible fashion sense. Great fashion sense. 
Uh, and the final point I, w- I was going to bring up for follow-up here. Is, oh, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, I, I, sorry, I know we're going way, way long with follow-up, but this, we said it was going to be a follow-up intensive episode. Uh, yeah. The Stranger Things, season two. Uh, yeah. the, the episode with the, like, biker gang. Yeah. Is, is the worst piece of trash ever now i really again this is not anything new like this isn't a, a hot you, take you mean the, the the gang in chicago that l goes off to yeah and then l comes back and she's all punked up and stuff and it's just it's just stupid like it like what why is it there like it it, it does nothing like it would have been had they done that they go off to l goes off and she has she goes all like learning about her powers with with the people and then she goes back to hawkins and there's a big fight with the evil people, and it looks like the day is going to be lost, but then enroll her friends or whatever. That would have been okay. But it's like she goes for what seems like, you know, a few nights, learns some stuff, has a questionable moral turnaround, and then just returns back and uh, and nothing is said of it again. It's just complete trash, and it doesn't fit the aesthetics of the thing. It's just stupid. Like, what were they doing? It's just that annoyed me. To no end. Didn't like it at all. I thought it would have been. I think it would have been terrible if if the gang had turned up and helped them at the end. But it's better than she just goes for a bit. Like, what's the function of it? Like, she goes essentially just to have a have someone question her morality for a little bit, and it's like we didn't. And she need learns to... it, and it ex- like in in story terms, it expands the mythology of the world, and we we, we find out more about the the project in general. I, I thought it would, I think it would have been far too neat for them just to roll in at the end I would hate it I disagree I think like you know you make connections with someone and you're getting a bit of bother and some and your friends come and help you out that's you know I, th- I don't think that's that's too neat at all I think that happens in real life all the time mm, no the circumstances under un, under which they met each other and under which they left I thought it would have nah, it would have really jarred for me mm, okay I, I still think though just, it just it didn't work like the aesthetics as well didn't work it just like, I appreciate expanding mythology, but I, I just think they just did that terribly. I think it's the mm-hmm. one downer in the in an otherwise really good season. For any of our listeners who's, who've ever read uh, Grant Morrison's comic series, The Invisibles, um, I'm assuming you all, and if you've also watched Stranger Things, you all noticed that the, the Eights gang were clearly an invisible cell. Uh, you're going to have to explain to me what an invisible cell is. Just So the comic book The Invisibles is about uh, an organization, or it features an organization named The Invisibles, and like a cell as in a group of them. It's clear to me that, that uh, the gang were a cell of invisibles. I won't, I won't go into any more into it because it won't be interesting uh, for anyone who hasn't read the comics, but it's, it's, uh, it's clearly there. Uh, so two two super quick emails that I just want to make Artifexia aware of. Uh, there is an official uh, Artifexian Discord server uh, for the patrons, um, but there is also an unofficial one uh, started by Doctor Bunny Flipflop, who I think has made oh, this. Sh- I think has made the show before. Um, so I'm going to leave the yeah, links. Yeah, we've, we've mentioned Bunny Flipflop a few times. We have. Uh, so I am going to leave the link to that um, server. In the show notes, if anyone wants to go there, I believe there's some interesting things happening over there. I haven't been there yet. I've been trying to manage my my Discord uh, recently, uh, but mm-hmm. I believe um, Doctor Bunny Flip Flop is making a language that's impossible for me to pronounce, uh, which is nice. Thank you. 
Uh, and uh, as Morning underscore hangs out there, I think. So some artifacts of characters uh, hang out there. So if anyone else is interested, go check out Great. the Discord. Um, very briefly, very briefly, I have a complaint about Discord. I want to, uh, I want to level against Discord in a public way. Okay, doke. Or maybe a complaint against Patreon and Discord. You know, Bill, when you're like wiring a plug. Yes. And you know the way you like connect up all the wires and then nothing okay. happens until you like turn the electricity on. Yeah. That sounds correct. Right. Yes. Because it would be crazy that the moment you connected up the wires, everything worked. That's going to lead to problems. It, right. It's going to lead to injury. Injury. Maybe even death. Like it would be by all accounts a bad situation. Patreon and Discord have this thing going whereby if when you connect up the wires, everything's live immediately. So I was setting up my Discord. I was just tinkering away and being all like, I'm going to take my time, get it all correct, blah, blah, blah. I hit the connect Patreon and Discord. And then immediately people start flooding in. And everyone's like, hey, wow, this is amazing. And I'm there still trying to understand what in the name of God Discord is. And I had to like tell the people, I was like, you're going to have to watch me build this thing in real time. And then the, there's like, I had to go through many iterations before it was right. And, every, and I had to go through the embarrassment of people watching me do this. And like, things like, is it, it, are things right now, people? And then they're like, no, I'm, I'm still, I still have access to a thing I shouldn't have access to. I'm like, oh God. And it was just a disaster. When connecting up the wires should not be an automatic launch, Patreon and Discord need to fix that. There should be a clear connect everything up and then a launch button when you're finished editing your page. It seems so obvious, but apparently it hasn't dawned seems, on either of these two companies. So that's be. my complaint. Um, the official official Discord for patrons, is that exclusively the kind of main YouTube channel patrons or is it open to podcast patrons as well? Oh, we don't have... A, it is not open to podcast patrons, uh, mainly because the way it works with uh, Patreon and Discord is that uh, when a person patronizes someone on Patreon, they get automatically filled into the correct like layers on Discord because there's certain parts that be hidden from certain patrons depending on how much they pledge and all sorts of jazz. Yeah. So it's like a symbiotic thing to one patron Patreon page. Not you can't do it to multiple ones. Okay, okay. We may okay. eventually set up one for the podcast, but I still I still prefer Reddit as the primary means of yeah. discussion. Um. Because a lot of people like like Discord. I don't know if I'm a fan. Like, I have it there because if people want to use it, they can. Uh, but personally, I'm not a fan. It doesn't it doesn't maintain thread order the way that Reddit, Reddit does. And I think that's a huge plus point for Reddit. Anyhow, mm-hmm. anyhow, sidetrack. There's an unofficial uh, Discord server. Go check it out. Link's in the show notes. Um, Dominic, the space cartographer from way back when, I think, like, they got a mention on, like, second or third show yeah, yeah that's that's an og podcast fan and uh, an og artifexian artifexian fan um has made a web app uh that functions as a calculator for uh, some of my star building stuff and it's actually a really good little web app and it looks really slick uh, so i'm going to also put that in the show notes so if you do not want to sit through Cool. I don't know, two hours of edgar talking about stars you can just use this calculator it'll do all the work for you great crack so that too is in the show notes for anyone who wants it cool cool cool. all right now shall we 
let's talk. Do you want to talk flag corner or musical language? Uh, flags. All right. It's a triumphant return of flag corner, Bill. <laughs> uh, I think we've hit gold with this one. Um, we had a uh, email from a person called N6 who uh, sent in a flag for us to analyze. And I'm pretty sure this is the worst flag I've ever seen. I was not aware of it before I received this email. And if this can be trumped, I, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to implode into a black hole or something because this is, this is truly horrific. Do you want to open up the, uh, the link there? Oh, class. <laughs> all right. So this is the flag of... All right, and listeners, remember, the job of flag corner is for one of us to, to paint a verbal picture of what we're seeing in front of us. This might be beyond our capability to do. This is testing the limits of word painting. <laughs> so this is a flag for uh, some um, extremist group in Russia, I believe. Um, who has, they have a big acronym. I don't understand what it is. Um, and if I may, do you want me to attempt a description here, Bill? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So this sort of the basic form of this flag is we have a rectangle. It's a vertical, uh, no, sorry, a horizontal tricolor of like neon green, hot pink and black in descending order. And on the left side of the flag, uh, we have a triangle cut in, which is white. So our primary yeah, colors are... At the hoist. At the hoist. I should have know, I should know this terminology. I made a video about the thing. <laughs> uh, so at the hoist, we have a white triangle, green, pink, and black stripes. Okay? Now, oh God, uh, I'm going to proceed from left, left to right. At uh, the very leftmost portion of the flag, we have... The letter X, right? An elongated double height letter X with two single height capital B's squished up beside it uh, as a sort of graphic thing. And that graphic thing is repeated on top of one another up the side of the flag. Maybe about like, I don't know, one twentieth the width of the flag. And I think it's meant to resemble some sort of stitching, but also be letters. It's completely illegible it's no good then right beside it there's like a bold capital c which seems to have little or nothing to do with anything else then there's like a <laughs> god i know what that is oh what's well, the, what's the c I'll, I'll, I'll get to it at the end okay oh jesus here two hours later uh then so in the triangle we have the words esperanto uh in a sort of semicircle below that we have festo with est being in brackets then in the middle of the triangle we have a green star with the letter e in white and then each point of the five pointed star uh we have the letters f o t s e and they stand for felicio organizico tempo socialio uh, energio and below that we have la paco and then we have either side of the star we have m dot i dot or dot and on the other side, we have what I believe to be is Russian letters, MNP. And then, oh, I get it now. The triangle has measurements marked on it. Yeah. Ah. That's, what the, that's what the C is. The C is the hypotenuse. The C is the hypotenuse of a right-angle I mean, triangle. That, I think that's a right-angle triangle. Well, Hold on. 
Well, Bill, I think your your hypothesis is correct because just above the triangle we have a small. Oh, it's actually a little bit. Bi- it's it's not quite right angled. No, it's a little bit bigger. But anyway, it doesn't oh, matter. okay. Um, I think your hypothesis was correct, though, or you're right in thinking that because above the triangle we have a small depiction of Pythagoras's theorem. Uh, yeah. And like, yes, you heard that correct, listeners. On this flag, there is a tiny depiction of Pythagoras's theorem, and then to the left of him, I think, is that Lenin? <laughs> That's Lenin, yeah. We have a golden Lenin staring at Pythagoras' theorem. And then, oh God, where do I even go? Uh, uh, below that, in the black portion, we have, like, I'm, I'm not making this up, right? We have a phone number and website. <laughs> and then below that again, we have another phone number, a different phone number, and a different website. You're like, <laughs> what? What even is this? And like, on the far right, we have a hippie sing- symbol with anti-teses written underneath it and then we have more measurements going up the side of the flag but more words I don't understand then there's like a golden torch someone a a disembodied hand holding a golden torch with more Russian writing and then that's not even to get to the piece de resistance which is like this vortex of Russian words that is spiraling around the center of this flag and then are they like two cartoon cows in the middle hold on they are two cartoon cows. And one has like pink horns and the other one has like green horns and they look to be doing some sort of like, like dance. It's like, what is this? Well, I, I don't think they're doing a dance. They're, it, it's just their heads and they're at kind of a jaunty cartoony angle. They're at a jaunty car- And bearing in mind that this is meant to be a flag for an ex- extremist group. I, I think whoever did the graphic design here needs to watch the symbolism here because they look far too merry for an extremist group. And I... I it just, it just, what? <laughs> and the, the person who sent us this, uh, uh, N6, sent us a another picture of the thing actually being used in the wild. We'll put it in the show notes. Like, you can see someone, a real-life person, with a whole load of other people holding this flag in real life. This is a thing that has been manufactured and is printed, and people use it. And it blows my mind. <laughs> oh, was that an adequate depiction? <laughs> That was that was an adequate depiction. I'm not sure that those are X's and B's. Okay, might be Has and Vez. Uh, I don't know what that is. Russian. The 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 Cyrillic, yeah, the Cyrillic symbols for H and V. Okay. Yeah, but I mean that's very small. Any Russian speakers here? Someone has to translate this flag for me because I am so interested in finding out what the big mass of text is. And when it says MNP. On the side there, that's that's uh, that's actually M I R, so it's it's Mir, oh. the same as on the other side. Okay. okay. Yeah, and I think I think Mir means peace. Okay. No. Okay. But let's let's unpack this a little bit, right? Again, an extremist group here. Why is there peace on their flag, and why is there Esperanto when they're Russian, and what has Lenin got to do well, with both peace Esperanto's and Esperanto? A- internationalist language so also you i think i think you're meant to read the 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 e the green e the green star with the e is an esperantist symbol and i think you're meant to read the letters at its points clockwise because clockwise it reads festo which is what's written above the flag oh yeah that's that that's entirely fair uh do you know what festo means i do not there's too many words on this (laughs) i man the phone numbers kill me though like 
there's phone numbers on it. Like what? Yeah, it's marvelous. It's absolutely. It's it's. I I I I am. Just, I am confident that this has to be some kind of joke. Like I don't think it's an actual. I mean, but we have we we have somewhat photographic evidence. Oh yeah, yeah, but like I mean, they might be flying the flag for the crack rather than this is a serious flag. Um, mm. Yeah, Esperanto was mentioned on their website. All right, are you the... going? <laughs> Bill, Google's going to love. Well, I'm you. I'm like... on fe- facal-portos.ru, which is one of the ones listed. <laughs> so yeah, hold on. Okay, so what what what? what Esperanto is a big thing of theirs, apparently. Uh, and can you confirm that these are some sort of extremist organization? I don't think they're extremists. Okay, okay. Well, I, well, I mean, it would be hard to say from just this, uh, but. They might. They, I. I. I would suspect it's either a joke or it's just like fringe, weird banana stuff. Hmm. Do you think? Yeah. Okay. If it's a joke, that's less horrific. But no, hang on. No, I. I actually. Do you know what? I don't even care if it's a joke. The fact that they, it's been printed and they're being. It's just like, oh my god! It's just. There's a picture of a real happy-looking chap here on the side of a mountain holding the flag. You're like, what, what is this? It's Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, my God. I am so sorry to every single flag that I have slagged on this podcast. Like, we have reviewed works of art compared to this. Like, we have reviewed the vexillological version of the Mona Lisa compared to this. This is... This is astoundingly horrible. Like... And we, I need to translate it. Okay, Artifacts, yeah, anyone studying Russian, anyone who is Russian, anyone who knows how to speak Russian, someone needs to translate this flag. I want to know what all this text in, in the whirlpool is. Um, Here, here's a, here's a uh, translation from one of the websites. Uh, Sparta is, is a thing that appears here a few times. Spartaportos.org. Sparta um, as in like Sparta in Greece. Well, it's it's a, it's an acronym, and you can see it beside the torch there, where it's like C, the sort of pi A P T A. That would read oh, Sparta okay. in, in Cyrillic, and it stands apparently for the Agricultural Poetized Association for the Development of Labor Activity. Huh. Yeah, this this is like weird. Like this is, seems like really weird, kind of uh, fringe political stuff. I don't think in a dangerous way, just in kind of a sort of a kooky kind of way. Oh, no, hold on. To catch up and overtake America in terms of productivity, <laughs> economic, military, intellectual power. Uh, cooperate with unionification of veterans of war and labor. Chairman of the associate was hero of the Soviet Union. Okay. <laughs> I, Bill, I, I was trying to say this to you earlier. I don't know how you're, you're very gung-ho with wanting to Google these things. Like, you know, the Google bots are going to be looking at you and being like, is he some sort of like an extremist sympathizer now? Uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm already on, on international watch lists. Uh, they're also they're very pro uh, pro Esperanto and this other website as well. Uh, the the- developed the theory of happiness of Pythagoras for application in science, industry, and agriculture of modern Russia. There's also a, there's a good few references to the Ukraine in in both these websites. So when are they trying to like re- reunify the two countries hmm. uh, or something like that? If they do, yeah, this is this is brilliant. This is this is really, really, this is a, a hell of a, um, a hell of a find. But like, there's like, there's not like, okay, even if we stripped all the writing 
and all like all the like pictures of Lennon and all that jazz, and we stripped it down to a trick. All of the graphic elements. Yeah, we stripped all the graphic elements. It's still not nice. Like they couldn't even decide on four colors that are kind of nice together. Yeah. Like it's still oh, it's just it's just so it's so bad. It's so bad. Man, that is that is a special sort of bad. Uh N6, I'm so so thankful you sent me this. <laughs> it's glorious. It's great. Hey, uh, uh, should we move on? <laughs> okay. It's going to break my heart to leave this behind. Uh, I yeah. Leave it behind. I've got it open in front of me and it's staying open in front of me. <laughs> Every so often I'd be like, Bill, you never guess what? The cows actually have little speech bubbles that'll drop you little nuggets of uh, what's going on. <laughs> and extra bits. <laughs> um, links in the show notes, by the way. You got to check. You like If you never go to the show notes, that's entirely fine. But today... Dear listener, you have to go to the show notes and you have to do yourself to see a favor. Do yeah, do yourself a favor. In fact, do your friends and family a favor. Show it, show it to them too. Everyone needs to see this. <laughs> anyhow, anyhow, um, musical languages. Do you want to talk a bit about musical languages? Sure. Um, so a video has been doing the rounds. Um, I've seen it a couple times on Facebook, and it was uh, sent into us by Zen Ten, I think. Yep. It was Zen10, yep. Um, a video uploaded by Tom Scott, you know, who's a very popular YouTuber. Um, mm-hmm. But the majority of the content was actually from 12Tone, who's a, a, a channel that I already follow. and They do videos on music theory and stuff. And it was uh, talking about the language um, Sol Re Sol, which was a language invented in the 1900s by a Frenchman by the name of Francois Soud. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it was an attempt to create a, a universal language arising from music. And it's, 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 cool, it's a cool video, and I, w- I would suggest to people to, to check it out. It is a cool video, and it will be in the show notes, and people should go check it out. Um, but the minute I read the email, and even before watching the video, I was like, this doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And uh, that that fact was born out in the video, and I think the concept the concept of trying to do a musical universal language is just it's like fundamentally silly, and I don't understand why anyone would pursue it. Mm-hmm. And it just it blows my mind that like somebody would clearly that person was a musician and thought that you music was truly universal, but it's not. So mm-hmm. like it's not it's not going to work. But what the thing I found really interesting about it, though is that. Uh, because of the form it took, this language, this musical language took, it could be applicable to sign language uh, and things yeah. like colors, like a color language. And that's way more universal than a musical language because a musical language cannot be understood with anyone who is tone deaf. <laughs> it's just like... There's that. Yes, there is that. Like, my, um... my, mo- my mother is, is I, th- I, I, I think, tone deaf. Like, I've tested her before and I've been like, here, here are intervals, right? You need to tell me direction. What is up and what is down? Like, are we going higher or are we going lower? No idea. Can't, mm, can't tell, literally. So the idea of ha- you having two notes and those two notes would simplify a word, it, like, it would mean exactly nothing to a person like that. Um, mm. So it's broken. <laughs> Completely broken. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, like the, the musical element isn't actually inherent to the language it's just that's kind of where he started out and you can use any seven 
symbols to to cipher this kind of underlying structure. Yeah, yeah, um, and th- literally any I, other I seven symbols about it mm-hmm. because when you he- if you don't hear a lot of the like if you if you don't have a large sample of of the speech uh, in communicating with someone. How can you tell whether someone says, for example, Ray Fa Ray or Mi Sol Mi? Because they're both a minor third up and down. So without an external context, there's no there's no way to interpret which is which. Yeah. If if it's yeah. just the pitch. Agreed. And yeah, even even if you had some context, mm-hmm. I still think it would be like uh, let's say if uh you had like a minor, like a C major minor, like a dyad, um, would mean one thing, and a G major, uh, minor dyad, like as in in the key of, uh, would be yeah. another thing, like that's as bo- in do re do and sol la sol. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- that's fine if the two keys happen immediately. Then maybe you might be able to distinguish like, oh, this is in C and this is in G or whatever. But then, like, if you have a thing in G and then there's a whole lot of D and then you go to C, then they just lose context uh, mm. as well. So there's, yeah, again, there's a whole lot of problems with that. And it, it blows my mind that someone took this seriously. Um, yeah. yeah, it just, it, it completely blows my mind. So uh, I, th- I believe Zenten's email questioned, like, what do you think of musical language? I think musical languages mm-hmm. are a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Awful. Um, and they should not be pursued at all. Unless it's just for the crack, you know. And the idea of it being a universal language, it suffers from the problem that a lot of universal languages suffer from, like how Esperanto is meant to be universal. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things to like about Esperanto, uh, but it's essentially all based on Romantic and Germanic languages. Like, it's, it's yeah. all these two families of Indo-European languages that it takes everything from. Um, so, you know, it's obviously going to be a lot easier for... Or it's a lot more universal to Europeans than it is universal to other people. Now, the the statistics on, on where it's actually caught on don't support that in some ways because it's quite popular in Korea or something for some reason. Um, hmm. But it's I think it's still absurd to say it's a universal language when it's from such a limited cultural background. Um, but yeah, so this is a universal language using music. Um, but it's based on a heptatonic Western scale. Like, if you come from a, a culture that has primarily pentatonic music, then that's kind of not really all that easily accessible to you. If you come from a culture that, you know, doesn't divide up scales and, and or octaves in that way and has music that to us is primarily microtonal, then yeah. it's not all that relevant. So, Yeah, it suffers from all the problems that a real universal language have has, but then also dumps on a whole other set of problems in that it's musical. Um, mm-hmm. which I think is is a poor move. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but as I said, the underlying the underlying structure as a cipher for any kind of sequence of seven symbols, there's there's an interesting thing there. But the specific imp- implementation of it, it just kind of doesn't really make much sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I think the video kind of was framed like that as well. It's like here, let let me explain how this worked, and then let me explain why it didn't work, and then look at the cool places that it could go. And that 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 is the interesting point. Yeah. Um, I love the way two musicians or one practicing musician and one ex-musician have just completely like dead in the water uh, the idea that um, 
that a musical language could work. You, you think of all people would be like, no, of course you music is the universal communicator. That makes perfect sense. We're just like, no, no, doesn't work. End of. <laughs> it's, it's that's such a nonsense. Music is a universal language. It's so like actually, I find that like actually offensive. Mm-hmm. Mm. That idea. Fully agree. Fully agree. It's like it. Yeah, and your point earlier about different musical customs. You know, yeah. okay, yeah, okay, uh, nearly every human on the planet enjoys music or uh, can perform music to some degree, but, like, we have vastly different systems under which that performs. Yeah. Um, so, like, someone go, like, oh, I listen to, like, you know, I listen to the Beatles a bit, like, and, you know, I think music is a universal communicator. It's like, you play the Beatles for someone in, I don't know, northern Siberia, and you ask them to say whether or not they think it's universal. They'd probably look at that and be like, that's disgusting. We have a whole well, different set of things. I don't know well, if I, I agree with that specific implementation, that specific example, because Western music is so ubiquitous. But certainly the other way around. I, okay, fair. Yeah, that's that. I accept that. Yeah, definitely. The other way around. Like is, if you yeah. take Tuvan throat singing and play it to, you know, people from. Carlo or Leitrim <laughs> to pick two random places um, who have no exposure to music outside of like the Western concept and who aren't like into who aren't artists or who aren't musicians and are into thinking about things different ways. They're just like, what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things that I think. Um, uh, no, actually, I sorry, I was going to say something offensive to people who say things like that, but I'm just not going to do that. Okay, we're just gonna, just gonna move also, straight on. <laughs> also, it's not a language. Oh yeah, yeah. By definition, like, there, there are linguistic ways to talk about it. You can use language as a, as a really, really good metaphor for for things in 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 a lot of ways. And you can say, you know, grappling with the idioms of a specific style, like you know, the the language of jazz or whatever. That makes sense. But you can't, through music alone, explain to someone how to boil an egg. Uh, but you can if you're Steve Vai. No, you can't. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to explain it. He has a bit... Wait, I, I am going to explain it. He has a big thing where he's all like, I talk through my guitar. And he like... Right. He, he notates his speech uh, like in music. So like he, he'll sit down and be like, uh, I don't know, just read something here. Um, Sketching his scientific imagination, Commons tweaks the astronomical dials. And he will like mirror that inflection in his guitar solos and he's like this big wanky thing where he's all like yeah man it's like it's like me and the guitar we're connected man and you know what my guitar speaks through me and it's like shut up Steve Weiss like, oh. yeah and even then it's using English yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a huge there's a huge problem with that um, anyway yeah, I also are. like the thing that like Peter Frampton uh, does with his guitar, and then like Daft Punk and stuff do it with the talk box. That's a, that's a really cool effect. Yes, but uh, yeah, we're slightly off topic about whether or not. Yes, it is off topic. <laughs> but yeah, but it's t- cool. <laughs> TLDR, TLDR, musical languages. Uh, I think both Bill and I, it's fair to say that we we don't approve of them per se. Uh, but that video is interesting, and you should go check it out. Links in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, is that it for email? That is it for email. Okay, so uh, I I did not do any world building for for the main topic today uh, because I am back to making videos and they are consuming most of my time. But I I would like to talk about the flag video I made, which 
by the time this podcast come out, will be a relatively old video, but uh, I just want to get this on air. Mm-hmm. There's two things that I think people will be interested in uh, that came up in the comments beneath this video, and they are a brilliant thread on Martian vexillology and a website that uses neural networks to check whether or not the flag you have made is good or bad. And they are two <laughs> really good links. They're in the show notes uh, if you want them. I think it's highly worth checking out. Uh, did you check them out? I have not. Check out the Martian Vexillology. I'd love to see what you think. Okay. You should be able to blitz read that really quick. Uh, cool. So TLDR for the Martian Vexillology link is th- this uh, Redditor is basically saying, well, hang on, do our assumptions about how flags work, work on different planets? And it uses Mars as an example and says, will the uh, official, unofficial flag of Mars actually work on Mars? And as far as he can surmise, the answer is no. And I think this is a really good one for world builders, like to factor in like atmosphere and wind speed and all of these sort of things and to ask, do you have to come up with a different form of vexillology? Uh, And the, the Redditor suggests that you would have to basically have vertical flags all the time because a long flag will not fly in the wind. And that has a whole mm. bunch of ramifications for how, like, design happens. And That's so cool. It's really, really cool, isn't it? And it's just a really yeah. simple question that person has asked. Would a flag be able to fly on Mars? Answer, no. Uh, how can we modify? And they come up with this. So you, sh- you should definitely go check it out. And I agree thoroughly with this guy. I haven't looked into it or ran numbers because, again, atmospheric modeling is beyond my capability. But it, it makes intuitive sense to me that... Uh, when you have a low density atmosphere with low wind speeds, your flag is going to be less liable to flap around. Ergo, you need to make it thinner and longer so the bit that can flap has the potential to do so. Um, yeah. It's a really fascinating thread. Links in the show notes. And that has interesting implications for how how things are represented in, in culture outside of flag specifically. Like, in, in nowadays, we are used to the idea of soldiers um, and officials having, say, flag pins or flags on their uniforms following that shape. Mm-hmm. But if it's, as suggested here, that it would be kind of a height four to width one ratio or four or more heights to width of one ratio, tall but narrow, um, you wouldn't be able to present those in the same way. And maybe symbols and colors would be represented as, like, would they be represented in the seams of clothing? Yeah. Or, you know, on like running vertically on, on buildings instead. Yeah. Yeah, they, it could completely change how how the feel of a, the, the sort of civic design language uh, yeah. is implemented. Like, totally good. And again, just from a really simple Civic design point, is a universal language. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the universal language thing has really annoyed you, hasn't it, Bill? It has, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So go check it out. And then the, the machine learning thing is is really self-explanatory. Put in a flag. It uses neural networks to tell you whether it's a good flag. Do you know what I might do after the show? I might see what? if I can put in that Russian flag and see what it tells me. I was about to suggest that. Well, hang on. I wonder, do you think we could... Have we got time? Let's do it. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Absolutely. Let's, let's do it. Let's 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 find let's that do link. It. Let's do it. Uh, save image as do this. Ah, oh, okay. The neural network isn't not, not as smart, but it isn't as thorough as I thought it would be. 
I thought I'd give you a synopsis as to why. It just says, bad flag, confidence (laughs) 1.0. I am fully confident that this is a flag. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, And I love, as well, I love the evaluation time. It took 0.2 of a second to figure out that this is trash. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's it's something that I've been meaning to play around with. Like, put in objectively what I think is objectively good flags and see where it spits it out. Uh, People were saying that it uh, it works pretty good. Like, unless you do something stupid like upload a thing with transparency or whatever. Um, yeah, it's pretty good at identifying good flags. I think that's really cool. So uh, it's flagger flagger.micaden.com Links in the show. Let's go check it out. Okay, and then okay, the the, the final point uh, on the flag building video, and kind of like the main point is, I think I've heard from other people that. The, the flag building video I made was the best video I've ever made. And from one person, they told me it was the best video I've ever made and I will ever make. Like, they were... <laughs> I know. You peaked, Edgar. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, they were hugely complimentary of it. And, like, on upload day, it seems a really weird video. Uh, on upload day, I was so confident. I was like, this is, this is good. Like, I'm really feeling good about this one. Hit upload, everything goes fine. And then the video is still really well received and I still think it's a good video, but the hive mind of the internet have between them crafted a much better video. And I want to describe it here and I want someone, because I know people in Artifexia make YouTube videos, I want someone to make this video because I think it needs to exist and I think I kind of missed a trick with my video. So the approach I took was like, we have good flag, bad flag, uh, and it's been heralded by a lot of people as being the like uh, the Bible of vexillology, and you know you don't stray from it ever. And because of the email I received many months ago, I was like, I want to try and subvert that and introduce people to uh, a much better sort of set of guidelines. Yeah. And you use the, the commission report on the guiding principles of flag design from the right. North American Association. Yeah, and I think that was like opened up people's eyes to a few things, and I think it worked yeah. as intended. But what I should have done, I should have taken the point of looking at flag design throughout history and throwing out everything like throwing out good flag bag flat and throwing out the commission report because so many people were like yeah okay these 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 rules that you say are only rules uh with uh, in, in respect to our modern tastes but go yeah. back in the day and there was a reason why there was tons of text so the video i think needs to be made is a video that subverts good flag bag flag and the commission reports and takes you on a journey throughout flexological history and to find out why why did we even get to the point where there was text all over flags like why was that once considered good and i think that's an interesting story there mm-hmm. um, and a much better story than the story i told i was again i was seeking just to be like here is a way to design really good flags but this other video that the the hive mind of the internet have created is so much better and someone needs to make it please make it please link me Sure. Yeah. No, I, I would be interested in seeing that. Yes, I definitely would. Because I, I don't know the answer to that. Like, I don't know why there's text everywhere. I don't know why you go back ages and uh, what's called all of heraldry to my eyes looks like an absolute unmitigated mess. Sorry, people from or slash heraldry. But like, it's so complex and it's so, it's so ornate. And like that, 
jives with my sense of, well, hang on, this is yeah. going to be a communication device. And there's a whole bunch of cultural stuff there that I think someone should talk about. Yeah. And someone should also talk about like reviving that some of that stuff to put it into our current flags. Because I'd imagine there's a small case to be made that the way we design flags now may not be the best way going forward. Like maybe in two, three hundred years time, someone will look back and be like, all of those like postmodern flags, they kind of suck now, you know? Um, we have postmodern flags? I suppose I, I'm using, I use the term postmodern as in like we, I feel like we're reflecting upon what a flag is at the moment. Like we're not just kind of, because flags aren't integral to like life or whatever, we're kind of reflecting yeah. upon what it is to be a flag and how to design a flag and what a flag does. And it seems more self-referential than back in the day, I get the impression that someone would just knock out flags as if they were a plumber or whatever, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I think that's a much more interesting video. Someone please make it. Uh, yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to see that. Um, I, I'm going to have a stab at a p possible answer for why heraldry of the kind that you're talking about can be so difficult to parse and so ornate, even though it's meant to be a communication tool. Mm -hmm. It's not meant to be easily understood because it's, you know, if, if you're saying what the, the coat of arms of someone um, with, with a huge aristocratic lineage, then there's, it's, it's deliberately obfuscated so that understanding it is a sign of status. That's, that's why a lot of things like, like, manners and etiquette are kind of weird because if it was easy to understand them then anyone could do it but they're weird and arbitrary and difficult so that you have to be raised in it so that no one can access it hmm interesting that's really interesting and then mm -hmm. that subverts the idea of modern flag design where it's like it's all about simplicity and it's all about communication and, like, I suppose, sure. t taken out of context, those rules may seem really obvious and kind of almost like universal truths. Like, of course, it has to be simple to understand. And, again, in, in the spirit of someone making this other video, that might be a really interesting thing to point out. Um, mm -hmm. That it's not necessarily all about communication. And that's really, yeah, it's really interesting. Or it's communication aimed at a very specific audience who have been mm -hmm. raised and groomed into this being a, an important mode of communication. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So anyhow, I think there's a better video out there. Um, dare I say something negative about my own content. But uh, and I want this to, I really, I really do want this to be made. Like I, I would, I don't yeah. really care, like I, I don't think I can make it now because I just made a flat video. But I want this to exist in the world. So someone please, and it will stop. Maybe come back in a while. If no one else you makes it, you can, you can, you can return to the topic if no one else makes it. I could, I could, I could. But someone should. I think someone should. Um, and I think they could do quite well. I think I'd imagine a lot of the flag nerds on the internet will get very interested in that sort of thing. At least I would be mm. interested in watching it. So uh, No, I, I definitely would be. Yeah, definitely. Anyhow, so that was my flag video. Never have I uploaded a video I felt more confident about, remained more confident about uh, after uploading. But then also at the same time, it was like, I missed the boat. I missed the trick here. The trick would have been a historical uh, takedown of this subject, not just a good flag, bad flag versus mm -hmm. commission report. Yeah, and I suppose one final thing is uh, we got an email uh, from a trig uh, who left a document or left the abstract to a, a document that is kind of along these lines. And it's worth reading that abstract to see where I'm kind of getting at. It's worth hearing it from someone who can like concisely and clearly convey their thoughts as opposed to everyone's favorite Artifexian. 
so <laughs> links in the show notes uh, for for that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Uh, some bit of world building. Uh, yeah. Sure. So I did some world building uh, this this month. I returned to Yanspar. So instead of uh, Lamo and Handwavia, I've, I've done some work in my other main setting. Has have um, we talked about Yanspar before? Yes, Yanspar. There's a there's a couple of articles on my uh, Yanspar blog. The the one about um, disease that was from Yanspar. Um, oh, okay. The language that the little bit of conning I did was a Yanspar setting document cool cool so do you want a tldr oh but as always as always bill's document is in the show notes link to his blog all that sort of jazz mm-hmm. do you want a tldr for the people who aren't going to read sure um so this is an extract from a historical work and it's just giving a, a quick summary of an important event and the context around an important event in the global history of Yanspar. Um, it's about a, a ruler called Amulin. Oh, wait, can and I pronounce it? Can I pronounce it? Amulin? Yeah, sure. Oh, Edgar nails one of, uh, nails one of Bill's names. Yeah, go Edgar. Um, <laughs> and the, the a really important event known as the Sins of Amulin and what happened as a result of that. Now, uh this actually ended up being a lot longer than I originally thought it would be. So the the results, which is the really, really interesting bit I haven't gotten to, um, I might have that for next week. Um, well, no, it's the important bit, but, you know, the the setup here that I've written, I think, is, is pretty good too. Okay, so that final bit you've written, that's the cliffhanger? Yeah, it's a cliffhanger. Oh, oh, there's more. Okay, 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 cool. Um, yeah, continue. Um, okay, well, actually, I, I, I'm going to ask you for your kind of summary of it. Oh, see how, how close to the mark I hit. Uh, okay. How well uh, I've communicated my intent. My TLDR, I don't know if this is accurate, uh, because it was a, a lot of information to pass, uh, to parse in, in a short period of time. Uh, this is a, a document, a historical document, outlining... Uh, the, the like you said, the sins of Amulin, and it looks like Amulin was once an okay sort of dude, uh, assuming he's he's a guy. I don't know if he's a guy or not. Um, and it it like goes through and points out all the points at which he kind of like did not so good things, and they kind of they ratchet up, um, up and up and up, and we get like a civil war and all this sort of jazz, and then. The big thing I was struck with is like at the at the end, it's like there's a civil war, but also the sun tears itself apart as a kind of result of maybe, and that was like weird for me. Uh, so I don't know. That would be my TLDR. Okay, yeah. So it's the story of Amulin who becomes a ruler among his people and uh, eventually becomes a sort of a genocidal leader. And commits all these atrocities and things. And uh, I'll, I'll read out the, the last bit here. Um, in late oh, spring of that year... Oh, actually, sorry. No, before we read the last bit, before we read the last bit, mm-hmm. uh, I will say, I think you've done a good job uh, ratcheting up the atrocities. Like, the first time we hear of a Mulan's bad deeds, it's kind of like, 
uh, something like, oh, he, he took a little bit of land from, from someone or whatever. And it's like, kind of, you feel like, oh, okay, but, you know, rulers do that. And then it goes from that to kind of genocide. <laughs> and it, it, <laughs> it, it, like, does it in incremental steps such that, like, obviously when slavery and, and genocide are mentioned, you're like, oh, he's clearly a bad dude. But no real step in and of itself is terrible. It's like, it's the combination of it. Like, you, there's a real sort of, like, thread. Like, there's no sudden... I'm good, and now I'm yeah. killing puppies. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It goes step by step, yeah. And, and you feel like it could be realistic, like as in, like, first a bit of a land grab, and then you have to subdue the people that, whose lands you've just taken, and yeah. then they maybe they're unruly, so we're... And we're then you're a racial supremacist. Yeah, <laughs> genocide, nuclear holocaust, sun's tearing itself apart. <laughs> no, but I, I think you've, you've that is pretty cool. I was kind of like, I was struck with that when I read it. I was kind of like... Oh, oh, that's cool. really interesting. So, um, but yes, you have to read the last paragraph because this is where things, this is where maybe you've kind of lost me a little bit. They get a bit weird at this point. So, do you want to read it? Sure. Um, in late spring of that year, astronomers and solar cultists all over Janspar began to notice a strange distortion in the shape of the sun. Over the course of ensuing days, it was clear that a portion of the sun had separated from the heavenly body and those tracking the motion of this morsel of solar material determined that it was approaching Janspar. Dot, dot, dot. Dun, dun, dot, dot, dun. Yeah, cliffhanger. <laughs> so, Tune in what? next Artifexian, same Artifexian time, same Artifexian channel. <laughs> uh, so what? What is happening? Because uh, for the people who have read this, it reads like a, a don't take this the wrong way, but like a, a relatively dry historical document. Yeah. Um, I mean that in the best possible way, man. And then yeah, it, I was thinking such. it goes from that to like, 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 I don't know, like weird space fantasy. And like, what's, what, what is happening? <laughs> okay, well, it's, it's not, it's not space fantasy as such. I mean, it's all set on very much on the planet, but the existence of gods and the existence of, of magic is kind of an assumed part of, of the setting to a degree. Um. So like, has in, has your man Amulin, uh, annoyed the gods and they're sending hellfire raining down the planet uh that is certainly an interpretation (laughs) as with most of my answer stuff i'm not gonna like confirm and deny anything explicitly outside of the actual documents i provide um but i will say that yeah that's that's certainly an interpretation of of what these events were um i i know i know exactly what's happening here um, and it ties in in a fairly big way to some other stuff that I have about the the setting and the progression of the setting. Um, I think I know too because I, I know a little bit more about Janspart than the listeners know. Okay. Uh, I would I would bet the house that you haven't you're not going to guess this. <laughs> oh well, well, do you want me to just guess it? Okay, but I can't. I, I'm not going to promise that I will say whether you're right or not. Okay, Grant, yeah, fine. On air, I'll tell you privately. Okay, Grant. Uh, the, I, because I, uh, I know that your setting is a, oh God, I don't know what I, I can say this, but your, the setting that we played our D&D game in is one where the gods have abandoned the world. Yeah, yeah, no, that, yeah. that's, that's, that's something I, um, I think I've acknowledged, yeah. So, um, my reading of this is that this is the thing that caused the gods to abandon the world. So I would imagine okay. what's happening is that this guy did terrible things. The gods are like, we need to cleanse this place or whatever. So we'll tear off a part of the sun, have it 
impact Yanspar is a big burning everything's rebirthed and then the gods don't come back so I think this is the the apocalyptic event that lay, leads to the sequence of that leads to the setting in which we play D&D okay I can neither confirm nor deny yeah um I will I will I will give you an answer now but uh, I want you to bleep this out in the podcast okay You're, you 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 trust me man I'm not gonna. I, I I'm not gonna you. mishandle your trust. I'm not gonna mishandle your trust. Go. <laughs> so the, the story here. Um, oh, you're that's... so you're so sneaky with the swearing. Well, what the <laughs> now, do you want me to do? Now you know I won't put it in because of the swearing. You make sneaky git. Well, yeah, I, I told you that I wanted this to be bleeped out. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Go for it. Okay. Uh... Okay. All right. Okay. Cool. Uh, right. Are we back in ra- in in on air? Mode? Yeah, we're back on air. We're back on air. <laughs> I've 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 said the spoilers. I'll probably leave the minute and just beep everything. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. <laughs> well, that's what I assume. Um... <laughs> See, this is this is the really annoying thing. Well, not the annoying thing, but the really hard thing to get around is that you, you don't, you don't tell me what's going on. Like, I, like the question that springs to mind now is: Are is this tearing off of the sun, an actual tearing off of the sun? Like, has the sun literally split in two, and a part of it is fo- is coming towards the planet, or is it like the solar cultists uh, are misinterpreting like their binary star or something like that, or? It has nothing yeah. to do with with the thing, that sort of thing. Uh, okay. Anything on that that you can give me? Um, it's it certainly isn't the the sun split into two equal halves or anything like that. It's like a a a piece of the sun is what it appears to be, like a like a little a little chunk of solar material. Okay. Uh, oh, could it be a thing like a god is coming? Like that is that is the god, like coming down in fiery. Th- like it's not a piece of the sun. Like it's actually sure. like like a deity. Could be. Hmm. Okay. And this will be explained in part two? Uh there will no. be further context in part two. <laughs> You're so sneaky. You my friend, you my friend need to write a complete book. That's what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I would love to. <laughs> uh but without the second part, I, f- I I find it hard to uh I find it hard to like that last paragraph, if I'm to be perfectly honest. Because again, it goes it goes from like a historical sort of thing to like yeah. suns tearing it apart, and that's that's weird. Like there's a weird tone shift in the last paragraph. Yeah. Well, you know, the 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 thing is that it, this is all historical. Um, these are all historical events in the context, like in an in universe context. So, like, it, it, you know, even the last bit is still historical to the writer and to the intended audience. Yeah. 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 Uh, anything, anything, anything else to add on that? Um, no, that's kind of it. It's, I've, I've been trying to write this for a while. As I said, it's a, it's a fairly significant thing in the in the setup of of Janspar and in some of the stuff that I want to do with Janspar. Um, this is the thing. So I really enjoy writing this setting, but I can talk about it much less on the on the podcast because of the, the restrictions that I've set myself. So I think I'll try for next month, next episode to go back to Handwavia, but I'll also try and finish this. 
I'll like provide the follow up to this, but I'll have something for hand waving that we can actually talk a bit more about. Oh, you de- you definitely definitely should finish this, like because mm-hmm. yeah, like we uh, we now have your man Amulin. He's done terrible things. It looks like there's some disaster heading uh, the way of Jansper because of his terrible things, and I think it would be terrible not to finish that story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at least I will want to read it. Um, yeah, cool, cool. Links in the show notes as ever, people. Yeah. So uh, that was a remarkably quick main topic, uh, and the reason <laughs> we spent all of our budget on on like follow up on emails today. <laughs> well, I suppose, and the reason as well is that I have a pretty hard deadline uh, today to finish by, and we have three minutes until that deadline. So actually, I think it's <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I think it's actually a really good thing that you wrote a kind of like two parter, like a cliffhanger thing. So it's like mm-hmm. set up the cliffhanger, and then let's see where it goes next month. Um, that'd be yeah. pretty cool. I, I have one topic for the green room. A okay. topic that I've not a topic, but a thing that I've wanted to do for ages now, and I finally just was like, you know, just, just say it. I would like to conduct an artifacts a census. Cool. <laughs> because I'm my my mother my mother was at the title, not at the concept. All oh, right, okay. Because <laughs> I am genuinely interested to see where people are listening, like what countries uh, people are coming from. And Mm. unlike YouTube, where, you know, you watch a YouTube video and YouTube tells me what room of the house you're in, uh, the the podcasting world does not work with the same level of metrics. And we kind of sort of know hardly anything about you, Artifexia, um, other than like the obvious things like, you know, I would be shocked if the majority of the audience wasn't in America. And if there wasn't a big listenership in Canada and the UK and, and Ireland. Uh, but outside of that, all the context we have is from emails we get, which I think we had someone from Denmark once and things like... We've had a few Germans. Had a few Germans. I think Dominic the Space Cartographer is German. I, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, Dominic. As far as I recall. <laughs> uh, you what? As far as I recall, yeah. yeah. Um, but it'd be really nice to actually have a proper, like census and it'd be really fun i think in the next show to read out and be all like it turns out that you know we have two percent of our population lives in east timor like that would be awesome and i'm really intrigued to see like how weird isn't the right word but how how far how far flung artifexia goes like Mm -hmm. how how far is it reach and that that sort of thing like this sort of geography sort of stuff really really interests me so i have if it's okay with you bill if you're okay with doing this Mm mm-hmm I have created a uh, Google form uh, in which you just click on the links in the show notes and you literally just type in the name of the country that you're listening in. Uh, Specifically, the name of the country you are listening in, like not your nationality or where you're born, just where you are when you listen. And uh, I would love to run a spreadsheet and compile some data and that would be really cool. That's the sole question. That is the sole question. Where are you listening? Okay. That is, I can't remember how I phrased it exactly, but uh, let me see. Let me see. Um, yeah, what country do you live in? Cool. And I think that'd be that'd be really cool. Um, what's your bets? Do you think do you think we have people uh, in unexpected countries, or do you think it might be the standard English speaking world, bit of Europe, Australia? It's also an English-speaking country. Sorry, Australia. <laughs> what do you think? Um, I expect we'll have one or two outside the the normal Anglophone world. 
I, I'm going to make a call here. Yeah. I think, now, depending on how many people fill out the form, like, if, you know, I doubt we'll get 100% coverage, and that's entirely fine. Um, I think we may well have someone in uh, Africa. Yeah. I, there is, I think there is a non-zero chance that we have someone in Sudan, <laughs> specifically. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like, one person. But, like, yeah, I'd be, as well, I'd love, I'd love the thing if it was, like, we have, I don't know, like... 50 listeners from Azerbaijan. Like, that would be cool to know, you know? <laughs> oh, oh. That would be good And cool I know. just, I literally just received a text from the captain saying she is outside, so I have to go, Bill. No problem. Okay, Bill, it's been a pleasure. Goodbye to you, and hello to the captain. I will, I'll pass that on. It's been a pleasure as always, Bill. I will see you next month, and we'll do more on the cliffhanger. Excellent. Cool. All right, until next time. Edgar Edgar Edgar